Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. Today is June 17th, 2019, World Invocation Day. So we welcome this opportunity to work together on this most special day. And we welcome those of you who may be new to the webinar this week. And we hope that if you're not a member of Triangles, that you might find it uh, of interest to form a triangle. So one of our aims is to introduce this work to those people. And the second um, purpose behind the webinar is to create a platform for those of us who are already members of Triangles to come together each week and participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work is simply the establishing of a line of lighted loving communication between three people who agree to vivify that triangular link every day. Three people linked together as a triangle of light, mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. Their triangle is then placed within the planetary network of triangles. And as the network is visualized, the great invocation is sounded in order to release and circulate spiritual energies throughout the etheric network and into the consciousness of humanity, touching all open hearts and minds that can respond to spiritual stimulation when it's released into the atmosphere. Triangles need only take a few minutes each day and can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So the format for the webinar is that we'll begin now with a brief visualization, followed by the sounding of a mantra, followed by a brief talk, followed by our meditative visualization. And then we open it up to any questions and comments that you might have and so feel free, if you're new to this work, to ask anything you'd like about the work of triangles, about the great invocation, about World Invocation Day, and the power of thought. So we have a few questions that have come in through Facebook, and we welcome those questions. So we'll try to address as many of your thoughts and questions as we can. So let's begin now by lifting our consciousness as high as we can and focusing upon the mental plane. Now look out over the world, seeing it as one of light, with the here and there points and centers of intensified light.
See the energies of this network of light pulsating to the rhythm of human aspiration. Regard yourself within the planetary network as a channel among many channels, transmitting the energy of the spiritual hierarchy. Imagine the potent love energy pouring through the network of light, stimulating the many points and centers of energy, transforming the pulsation of energy into the rhythm of the planetary heartbeat. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. Today we have the opportunity of working together on this day of safeguarding, the day of the Gemini full moon, also known as World Invocation Day. On this day, we're encouraged to sound the great invocation, and we're very grateful to have this opportunity to work together with all of you in that capacity, to sound the invocation together 
and distribute its lighted energies throughout the planetary etheric network, using our collective voice to focalize and direct the energies through the five planetary centers. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, and Tokyo. The power to invoke the light has been used by individuals throughout time during times of crisis. But more often than not, this effort has been undertaken individually. Today, as we move into the Aquarian age, there's a growing recognition of the power of invocative groups, of collective efforts across traditions as an effective means of mobilizing our efforts and capturing the subjective forces at play behind the scenes. This group has a significant role to play, organizing and lifting the oft-times inchoate demands of the outer groups and directing them through the use of powerful ancient prayers and mantras directly into realms of consciousness that can even reach the spirit itself, efforts that would be impossible if undertaken alone. As we know, the Great Invocation is our most powerful and effective mantra for und undertaking this invocative appeal. It carries a potency that belies its simplicity, one that we cannot begin to fully understand. And when we coordinate a movement for its use on a day when the effectiveness is magnified, then we have the possibility of bringing about substantive change in the very fabric of the world. And this is happening everywhere today as people sound forth the Great Invocation. Events such as World Invocation Day demonstrate humanity's growing ability to live intentionally. Intentional living is defined as that, as that unbreakable, immovable determination that a situation shall be handled. That what is needed in order to release humanity assuredly must appear. So it's really an embodiment of that Sanskrit term, shraddha, ultimate faith that a situation must be handled. It's an affirmation of the power of the seemingly powerless people of the world. And people everywhere today are demonstrating that they have made that determination to so live and thereby situations that at one point might have seemed intractable are being handled. We might rightly ask, what is it that we're invoking through our use of the Great Invocation? Clearly, we are invoking the higher energies to come to the aid of humanity, the energies of light to illumine our minds, the energy of love to radiate forth from our hearts, and the energy of the will to good that embodies purpose through the medium of the human being. But the fourth stanza of the Great Invocation from the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door 
where evil dwells. This stanza deals with the particularly taxing responsibilities of humanity itself. It states that our task is to let the plan of love and light work out through us in our world. That task is facilitated by our learning to tap into what Patanjali called the rain cloud of knowable things. The rain cloud is a vast storehouse of revelation, of ideas that exist within the abstract levels of consciousness created by the foremost thinkers of the race throughout time. This rain cloud is the emanating cause of all that is new and progressive. Those people who are able to tap into this sphere of consciousness are then challenged to likewise create those forms whereby the new world can come into being. And this ability is fostered by the influx at this time of the seventh ray workers, those who are most adept at bringing spirit into matter. But the second part of humanity's responsibilities as stated in this fourth stanza of the great invocation is related to the sealing of the door where evil dwells. This door is kept open, we're told, through the power of the lower aspects of human nature that have controlled our planetary life for so long and created so much havoc. The selfishness, greed, ambition, and rampant desire in all its manifestations. The teachings speak of these myriad desires as keeping humanity stuck, following the broad and easy way, which is, of course, the line of least resistance. And clearly, it's not our responsibility to focus on the cosmic sources of evil, which are way beyond our capacity to manage, but rather it is through a firm intention to facilitate the plans working out and to foster right relationship that this door will slowly and irrevocably close. And the Tibetan affirmed, nothing can possibly stop it. So while there may have been delays in the plans working out for our world, nonetheless, the new group of world servers is strong and those who stand within the heart center of that group have the secret weapon of knowing how to work in the interludes how to capture the auspicious moments in the cycles of the year and month and we also have the potent tool that has been given to us the great invocation so let's now work together to let in the light through our visualization. Let's link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this triangles meditation group.
Let's invoke the spiritual will. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Naught shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Now using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the radiant worldwide triangles network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Lift the consciousness higher still to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love 
at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Hold the group mind open and receptive to this inpouring energy of love. Now let's take the Great Invocation into our meditative reflection. Consider it from the perspective of its planetary implications, but also consider its individual parallels. The microcosm, the individual, is the field of expression for the macrocosm. The microcosm is the instrument for service within the three worlds.
Visualize light and goodwill circulating around the triangles from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. As we sound together the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work that will be done by each stanza, visualizing the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, and as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. from the point of light within the mind of God. Let light stream forth into human minds 
let light descend on earth. From the point of love, within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. Now we come to the third part of the webinar, wherein if you would like to share a comment or a question, you can do so by typing in the chat box 
or you can raise your hand by clicking on your name in the participants box and we'll unmute your microphone. And the transcript for today is has been uploaded if you're if you'd like to a copy of that. There was a, um, a, one, a few questions that were sent in, so we can try and address a few of those. Someone asked, what should I visualize when sounding the Great Invocation? Well, of course, that is an individual uh, consideration. There's really um, nobody who can tell you the right way to practice your own visualization with this ancient prayer. But I do like the fact that this person um, asked about visualization because that is one of the means whereby we can really um, bring greater potency to our work with the invocation. For while we're encouraged to sound it, to sound the invocation, we also have the very real opportunity to give it greater potency by cultivating our own visualization of what the words mean, what the stanzas mean to us. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Jeffrey asks, how can we invoke the soul of a nation? Well, that's certainly a good question at this time, when it seems that the soul of the nations needs some evocation or pouring out of their higher, higher qualities. Um, we can do that. We're told that it's, it's really the responsibility of the disciples in any nation to invoke that soul. And particularly on this day, really, um, it's, it's interesting you ask the question, because it's one of the, um, I think, one of the responsibilities of World Invocation Day and of the Gemini Festival. We're told that at the exact time of the full moon, which was at 4.30 this morning in New York time, um, that the world teacher stands at a sacred within a sacred ceremony in the remote parts of the planet and pours out this second ray energy of love to an individual in each nation of the world a sec i believe a second ray individual in the various nations of the world and then through means of that individual the energies are stepped down and radiated throughout the whole group of workers, subjective and objective, who are working to bring in the plan for the planet. So I think primarily we evoke the soul of the nation by our task is to work subjectively at these full moon and new moon interludes, uh, especially at the higher interlude and the lower interlude in the fall. That's when we can work most effectively to awaken the soul of our nation, but also in our thoughts, thinking positively, trying to focus on the good, the soul qualities of our nation. So learning about its 
soul qualities, which can be done through studying the book, The Destiny of the Nations by Alice Bailey. Each nation has a particular um, astrological and rheological makeup, has particular qualities that are its strength. And we can work just as we would with an individual work to strengthen uh, those soul qualities. Um, if you wanted a copy of the talk today, it's, it's in the chat box. And if you can't find it there, you can go to the Facebook page, Triangles Meditation Group, or to the Triangles blog, where the talks are always um, posted. Um, Wend writes, would you talk about, about sounding the invocation at the hour, quarter hour, half hour, etc.? Well, I have a theory about that. It's an easy one to manifest, so I think it's quite useful in this day of uh, time management. If you think about the Sunday meditation for evoking money for hierarchical work, it uses the fourth stanza of the Great Invocation. And if you think about the Thursday meditation, it uses the first three meditation, first three stanzas of the Great Invocation. But the last line of the Great Invocation is not used in either of those meditation formulas. And so I think that we can effectively use that last line, let light and love and power restore the plan on earth whenever we so choose, be it at the, at the hour, but some people might want to use it at the quarter hour and the half hour as well. It's a quick and easy way to um, really encapsulate the whole invocation and pour it out in a sound bite, I guess you might say, and effectively contribute to the energies being distributed through the planetary network. You can visualize the planetary network of triangles also as a means of giving visual imagery to that sounding. <clears throat> um, Suzanne asks about the macrocosm and the microcosm. Well, as we know, the macrocosm is the big picture and the esotericists and the esoteric group are asked to um, always start in their considerations with the big picture, whereas the microcosm is the individual application of that big picture. That idea is embodied in an ancient maxim, as above, so below. The macrocosm is generally related to the bigger picture, to God transcendent, or to the way in which, in the case of the Great Invocation, these energies work out on a planetary level. But as the seed thought that we use today also indicated, they work out microcosmically, they work out through our own lives. The Tibetan has said that no one can use this invocation for power and light without creating tremendous changes in their own lives. And I'm sure those of us who are longtime users of the invocation and of the Raja Yoga 
system of meditation can testify to the changes and the widening of the contours of our minds that has occurred, taking us out of ourselves, somewhat at least, and focusing on the bigger picture and how our individual lives can be used to facilitate that bigger picture, to facilitate the plan working out. Thank you, Thomas, from the Czech Republic, and your beautiful smile that you bring to all you greet. Uh, Nathaniel asks about the five planetary inlets, I think you mean. Well, that is a good question, and I think we should do a webinar on that because it's a it's a big topic, and we, we talk rather um, blithely about these five planetary inlets, but we don't say much about them. But each of them um, is a center of light and love in the planet, and the Tibetan gives quite a bit of information about them. He says that the New York Center is the um, central point, really, the central point of two triangles that are formed by these five planetary centers. New York forms part of each one of them. So I think it makes sense that the United Nations, which is really a global center for the new group of world servers, is is placed in New York. Um, New York sometimes is considered the planetary Ajna center because it links the east and the west. Um, we're given the astrological energies and the ray energies for each of the centers. New York is ruled by Cancer and the Sixth Ray. So I think, um, hopefully, this energy pouring through New York is helping the Sixth Ray personality of the United States, which is often quite militaristic in its manifestation. The Sixth Ray working out as a planetary center through New York can certainly help to bring in the higher more um, divine aspects of the sixth ray through the planet Neptune. And in London, the planetary throat center is an inlet for first ray energy, and I believe the sign of Gemini. So London becomes very instrumental during this um, Gemini festival, linked very much also with its personality nature of Gemini. Then Geneva is focalizing the planetary heart center through the sign of Leo, which is so intimately related to the heart. And then we have Darjeeling, which is ruled by Scorpio, and another powerful inlet for first ray energy. It hides the light, Darjeeling does the light of the ageless wisdom, the light of the spiritual hierarchy of the planet. And then finally we have Tokyo, the center which we're told in the teachings can be awakened through the planetary network of triangles. And that the Japanese people have a particular facility for working with triangles. So hopefully as Tokyo becomes spiritually active, uh, the triangle's work will take off more fully as a planetary service, and then that will serve to awaken all of the planetary centers. And Tokyo is a, also ruled by the sign of Cancer, and it is another 
first ray inlet of energy. I wanted to just, um, we're a little bit over time, but maybe today being a special day, we can take a little more time. Um, one of our participants wrote in and asked about a particular confusion that she has about uh, the fact that we're told to practice harmlessness and right speech and that we should let no words of criticism pass our lips. But she says that um, it's also true that it seems from what's been said on some occasions on the webinar that there is a war being fought out on the mental plane instead of the physical plane during the Second World War. And if this is the case, that this war, there is a war on the mental plane, shouldn't we be helping to oppose the forces of materialism by exposing them? And she says, by criticizing them. For in the Tibetan's books, um, he said that the spiritual hierarchy of the planet actively came down on the side of the allied forces in the Second World War and encouraged others to do so. In the Gospels, Jesus criticized Orthodox groups such as the Pharisees and overturned the stalls of the money lenders in the temple. So what is the right approach? Do we keep quiet and instead invoke the energies of light and love, ignoring what seems to be malign and selfish forces, knowing that the energies of love and light will prevail? Or in addition to invoking light and love, do we help to expose and throw light on and malign the selfish forces? Or do we observe them, but not criticize them? Well, that's certainly a thought-provoking question, a series of questions. And this on our screen, just to explain it one bit, is, a, is a, one of our participants' visualization of how the energies from Shambhala, the light, the bright light at the top, pour into the spiritual hierarchy, which is that disk in the center part, composed of the, all the ray coloring the different ashrams, and then pouring into that lighted disk at the bottom, lighted sphere, which is humanity, the Triangles Network, the new group of world servers. So this question deals with, um, should we bring, um, a critical, take a critical stance against the forces of materialism, which, as you say, are very active in our world today. I guess each of us has to um, work this out for ourselves, our approach. Perhaps there's not a right or a wrong answer, depending on the situation, and depending upon how each person uh, goes about that task. Certainly criticism of political leaders doesn't serve any purpose. It only serves to um, pull us into the web of glamour and Mayan illusion that is being promoted in the world today. So in that regard, I, I, I choose to take a more neutral stance, but that perhaps is me. Um, Certainly, um, political opponents um, have part of their responsibility to speak up 
in response to attacks by leaders who are working to foster untruths in the world. That's their responsibility. I'm not sure it's our responsibility. Our responsibility is really to foster bridges and consciousness whereby we can connect with the spiritual hierarchy and bring through that lighted energy and distribute it in the world. But really, um, when thinking about this question, which I really appreciate, I think one of our primary responsibilities, as we know, is to prepare human consciousness for the coming externalization of the hierarchy and the reappearance of the great teacher who's coming to inaugurate the new age. Because as this teacher steps forward, he himself is part of the council chamber in Shambhala. He's part of the highest center of spiritual will. And it is only through the spiritual will that the door where evil dwells on its cosmic perspectives can be dealt with. We don't have to deal with those higher aspects of cosmic evil. It's really the world teacher whose responsibility it is. And so I think to the extent that we're effective in using the great invocation, in contributing and spreading the triangles network, to that extent we we're going to be more effective in combating these very challenging situations in our world. Um, Patty says, I haven't set up a connection with two others, though I still practice the meditations on Mondays when I am available and just connect with the group. I will check out the Facebook group. Namaste. Yeah, Patty, if you go onto the Facebook page and place your name in there, you can usually find two other people who are who would be interested in forming a triangle with you. Also, you can um, go to form a triangle online on the triangles uh, website, triangles.org, and fill out a brief questionnaire which gives permission of entry to a, a, a safe website where you can find people who are interested in forming triangles all over the world. Also, usually early in the webinar each week, if you place your name in the chat box, you can find two other people on the webinar who would be willing to form a triangle with you. Estelle writes, I used to wonder how there can be sufficient room for all the present triangles plus all the ones being made. But now I understand that in spirit, there are no walls or rooms. Yeah. The network needs many, many more triangles. And the more rapidly we do that, if we could set our goal between now and 2025 to make over 100,000 triangles possible then we could be perhaps assured that the externalization, which will be decided in 2025, the timing for it, that it will occur sooner rather than later. Raswita asks about Switzerland's role and, and if much information was given out about it uh, in the destiny of the nations. There's not that much given out about Switzerland per se, 
Um, but there is quite a bit given out about Geneva. And so Geneva is really, um, and Switzerland is focalizing planetary heart center. So it's certainly a high calling. And Switzerland therefore has a key role to play in serving the whole of humanity. All right, so I think we can stop now. And thank you all for your attention and your efforts in working day in and day out with this planetary service. So let's just close with a moment of silence. Thank you.